Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With every monthly bill, like rent and car payments, you know exactly what you're getting when you pay for it. But health insurance plans feel like the total opposite. They're confusing and expensive. Then when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles, claims, processes, and other red tape to deal with. But CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. CrowdHealth is simple, transparent, and affordable. As a member, you'll get a personal care advocate who is with you every step of the way to help navigate the complexities of health events. They'll even negotiate bills on your behalf and could save you thousands of dollars in the process. Plus, you'll get access to thousands of other members who are ready to help pay for large health expenses. Experience healthcare freedom with CrowdHealth. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Berry Eze signs for Crystal Palace for $19.5 million. You know, with a starting fee of 16 million. To record this podcast, I'm joined by three heavyweights, my fellow co host Dot, who's had the inside scoop on this transfer, and two massive Palace fans and masters of their trades. First of all, we've got Dominic Firefield, a senior writer at The Athletic, and also his ex colleague and friend, <laughs> deputy news editor Ed Ahrens. First of all, welcome all of you. How are you doing? Very well. Good, thanks. He's not my ex-friend. Very good, thanks. Oh, we're still friends, Tom. (laughs) Ex-colleague. Yeah, Yeah, so we want to cover Ebere Eze's transfer to Crystal Palace. Obviously, we're quite close with him. Um, We've done a podcast with him, so we've had the inside scoop on this transfer. And also, I know both of you are Palace fans and can't wait, and you're salivating (laughs) at the prospect of seeing him in a Crystal Palace shirt. So, yeah. How are we getting on, guys? Good. Much better yeah. now that he's signed on the dotted line, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, it's been a good day, actually. I mean, it's kind of been, you know, we've been expecting it for a while, but to wake up to that, as I said to Dej earlier on the, phone, on the WhatsApp, just was a nice, it was a nice thing to, to wake up to because I was wait, working late last night, so didn't get up till you know, just basically the first time I checked my phone, first thing I saw was confirmation, and so it was good, a good way to start the day. Definitely. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, um, I'm going to start off. Dot, obviously you've been you know, inside this transfer. So how did it finally come about, especially the last month? Because we broke it around a month ago that you know, Ebere Eze only wanted Crystal Palace despite you know, West Brom trying to gazump the deal. So how did that come about? Yeah, I think um, from what I heard is that Palace were the only team that he was going to consider going to. Um, 
obviously one of the major aspects is that he wants to stay in South London and I think obviously Palace have put too much groundwork into this deal for it to not come off um, what I was told is that personal terms were not a problem from day one um, and Eze just couldn't wait to get the move to Crystal Palace and I think West Ham showed interest Newcastle showed interest um, Leeds showed a bit of interest as well but I think the team that really you know put a bid out was West Brom um, and they actually offered more than um, Crystal Palace but um, the camp at QPR I thought you know what there's no point Eze doesn't want to go there he wants to go to Crystal Palace so there's no point haggling over one million and now um, his dream has come true no thanks for that insight though um, yeah I'm going to go to you Dom I saw your piece with Matty Woosnam detailing his journey to the top and what kind of a player have um, Palace got on their hands with a Bere Eze a creative force of nature um, a, a, a ball carrier, someone who's going to get Palace up the top end of the pitch uh, quickly, but but maybe not in an explosive way like like maybe a Wilfred Zaha. Um, a lot of the his ex teammates at QPR who spoke spoke to us for that piece um, spoke about a, a player that you think you've got under control. You, you you're facing up to him. You, you think everything's everything's fine. You, you you're going to make the tackle. And he almost glides past you and throws you off balance doing that. He, 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 his body shape, the way he uses his body, um, defenders just can't deal with it. And they, they haven't been dealing with it in the championship for the last couple of years. And I think we'll, hopefully we'll see a lot of that at, at Palace. I hope he gets to play centrally. He needs to incorporate such a young, exciting talent that's, that's really going to get people uh, on the edge of their seats and, and, and looking forward to watching Palace again. Yeah, so Doc, when Ebbs came onto our podcast, he seemed very, very level-headed. You know, South London is his origin. Crystal Palace are South London club. What type of attributes do you think he'll be bring to the club? I think um, the ability to beat players 1v1, um, the playmaking ability to thread um, balls through defences. And I think his best attribute is finding space. And it's interesting because when he came onto our platform, he said that he needs to improve um, the way he receives the ball. And he's noticed that to get to that next level, he needs to be thinking a step ahead of everyone else on the pitch. And I think that's going to come with age and experience at the very top level. Um, I think just the sheer ability to drive through the midfield just sets him apart because how many players in the Premier League can we say can pick the ball up from deep and just run forward? Yeah, so Ed, um, you know, it's great to have you here. We've been messaging... You've been messaging your enthusiasm about the signing. So as a proper Crystal Palace fan, where do you think he fits into this team? Because Good known question. as a yeah, pragmatic no. coach, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a really, I'm really, enthused, I'm really enthused by this transfer. It's really exciting, and the sort of, I just think it's the sort of transfer that Palace have been trying to do over the last few years, and all the fans have wanted them to do. You know, somebody local. With you know, with a lot of a lot of games under his belt, um, you know, and and ready to make that move, and uh, you know, it's it's really exciting because it's a player that the sort of player that Palace have been looking for to take that next step. Maybe you know, it's the, going into the eighth season in the Premier League um, coming up, which is you know unprecedented for the club. 
and to make the step maybe from you know battling relegation every season to being perhaps you know top ten contenders every year or maybe sneaking into the Europa League, I think you need someone in midfield who can like you're saying you know break the lines basically mm. and and you know create that space and uh and, and he could be the man, but the big question is obviously. Everyone's playing four three three at the moment. Really, that's the you know the favoured formation. Especially Roy Hodgson likes playing it. And and where does he fit in in that four three three? But obviously, he has been. He was talking really well about how the club sold him. You know the well, what they're aiming to do and everything. So, you know he's. They've obviously got a plan for him, and I, I'm really excited to see what that is because uh, it could be really it could be really great for Palace. Uh, and you know I think he's he's going to settle in quite quickly. No, for sure. Um, this is a player that's had his fair few knockbacks, setbacks, you know, fairly young, you know, being at Mirwall and other academy clubs, but he's always come back fighting. And that's something we spoke to him about on our podcast. How do you think, um, Dom, these knockbacks will prepare him for, you know, the tough life in the Premier League because you're under scrutiny mm. every step of the way? Yeah, it's a fair point. And I think he's admitted, he admitted to you guys that, that helped him grow up almost. I mean, that some of them were devastating when he when he left Arsenal. At, I think he was, was he thirteen at the time. I think he was there from eight till thirteen. He he, he was you know floods of tears and that properly scarred him. Um, then the spell at Fulham. Then there was you know Reading for about six months. Um, the scholarship at Millwall and then actually a succession of trials at clubs which where he, he couldn't really sell himself or convince coaches to take him on which you know when you see he's got over 100 championship games under his belt now that's that seems fairly remarkable but he got he had the faith of, of, of Chris Ramsey Paul Hall and Andy Impey over at QPR and, and we shouldn't underestimate that the the impression that they they made upon him in his development i mean that's he he heralds that and and i think that's i think i think that's that's testament to the hard work they put in as well and the faith they had in his talent um yeah you, you grow up from those knocks though, don't you and and he we shouldn't we shouldn't be under any illusions there is a still a massive massive gulf between championship and and premier league yeah. um look at uh, Trey Adams say who who cost a similar amount of money for to South, for Southampton, uh, and and for when they signed from Birmingham and and he had a a really difficult first season in the Premier League and it was only really post lockdown that the goals started coming for Trey Adams down down at uh, St Mary's, so it, there will be an adaptation period. There will be a, a, a time where he, he has to get used to the. I don't know the lack of space, maybe the the sheer the quality and the calibre of the opponent that he's going to come up with in in, in matches every single match. And there, there won't be any, there are no easy games. I mean, it's cliche, but there's simply every every midfielder he comes up against, every defender he comes up against, they will know about him and they will know how they think they know how to stop him. So he'll have to he'll have to develop his game to to find a way to thrive. But but he's got the background, he's got the steady development the steady progress he's made and he's got the sheer ability and skill to thrive and people recognise that now Palace have recognised that and they've ploughed an awful lot of money the third highest fee they've ever paid yeah. in, in Eze and, and you know I just I just really hope it he can go and express himself in a in a way to, to showcase his talent because he, he's got all the tools there he just might need a bit of time just to adapt yeah well said Dom um, mm. yeah Dom I'm going to come back to you um when Eze came onto our platform, he spoke about wanting to play at that top table of European football. 
how do you assess his temperament? Because I don't know about you, but when he came onto the platform, for me, he seems someone that's grounded, humble, wants to work, knows what he needs to do to get to that next level. How do you see it developing? Yeah, it's interesting because I watched his um, press conference today, um, you know, his first interview at the club, and he just comes across so well. And I think the biggest testament I can pay to him is that he's left QPR and I haven't seen one bad, you know, sort of feedback towards him. Everyone's happy. Everyone's wishing him well. And I just think this guy is destined to the top. Like, I, I honestly believe in him so much. Like, I just think he's just such a quality player and I just, I just love watching him play. And I think he admitted it to us that he's a player that he needs to, you know, be in the game 90 minutes because in the Premier League, you can't afford to be inconsistent. You need to be performing week in, week out, as Dom said earlier. And I just feel that with experience, with time, he's still young. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he will get there. No, great. Um, Ed, another thing I wanted to ask is, Eze said that long-term, he can see himself, he's part of the long-term project at Crystal Palace. Do you think this raises into questions... Roy Hodgson's future. <laughs> hmm. That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it has to, doesn't it? I mean, I've, he, uh, he's he's on a one-year contract, and he, he signed he signed that again. I think it was in March. Um, and you know, he's seventy-three now, which is I think I looked it up the other day, and it's now is uh, nearly two years older than the oldest ever manager in the Premier League before him, which was Bobby Robson. And uh, but I just think, yeah, but if. If if Roy could get it together for a whole season, you know there were signs there last uh, last season, and especially towards the end, before obviously they lost seven in a row, that that Palace are capable of actually finishing quite high if 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 you know things fall into place. And that was also with with Zaha not really contributing that much last season. So yeah, I, I'd like to think that he would he could stay on for a few more years because he's a very safe pair of hands. But at the same time, you know we've got to be realistic about it. And um, I think you know Palace are trying obviously. Some of the things that Eze said today, um, you know, in, in the interviews that he's done with with Palace's uh, website and everything, you know, he's talked about that about the long the long term vision that he's been sold, if you like, and and that's what's impressed him. That's what made him want to come to Palace, as well as you know being a local boy and everything. So that was really interesting for me to see, and and you know, he's he's really going to hopefully lead the next a new generation of, of for Palace because. The team is one of the oldest in the, in the league, and uh, you know it's one of the high, uh, sorry, the ninth highest uh, wage bill I think in the league. So they needed to freshen things up a little bit, and uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be an interesting season, definitely, to see how we how Palace try and you know integrate him into the team, and obviously a few other things that are going on in the background as well. With obviously Zaha, um, I'm, I'm thinking of in particular. Yeah. So Dom. Um... Ed has just mentioned the man, Wilfred Zaha. Do you expect him to leave the club this summer? Because there's murmurs saying that there's not a lot of clubs that have come to the table and want to offer money for him. But what's your take and what do you understand so far? Well, I think you've summed it up very very neatly there. That The reality is we all understand that, that Wilfred Zaha wants to play Champions League football and... When I read Ed's piece in the in the Guardian yesterday, and he's still intent upon leaving. Yeah, I mean he's he's been intent upon leaving for the last three summers, and yet for two of the, or you know he signed five year contracts in in the summers of 2017 and the summer of 2018. So he's still got another three years left on his contract, and the reality of his situation is he earns amazingly well 
six figures a week at a, a Premier League club. Um, three more years in his contract. His valuation hasn't gone down that much as far as Crystal Palace are concerned. You can argue the, the market values all being depressed and, you know, that, that, yeah, I quite understand all that. That, that, that is true. But the reality is that Crystal Palace without Wilfred Zaha, even now, even making other signings, I th- they, they are diminished. They're, they're, they're more under threat of, of being relegated without him than with him. So for, for them, he's still worth a hell of a lot of money. And we're talking, 60, 80, 100, whatever you want, million pounds. I mean, it's, it's a huge amount. And realistically speaking, how many clubs out there are going to be able to, to offer a deal that Palace, Palace would find acceptable? And it's not very many. I mean, there was a story that went out last week on one of the platforms saying that, that, uh, PSG, that Monaco, Dortmund, um, and Dortmund. Well. I mean, yeah. when, when did, when did Borussia Dortmund spend <laughs> 60 million pounds on a fellow who's going to be 28 later this year? I mean, re- realistically it, speaking, it just, it's just not yeah, it's, it's, going it to happen. It seems to be running out of possible, possible destinations, as you say, Dom. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a shame because it, and just thinking about it, the best, well, I mean, obviously I'm a Palace fan, so I'm going to say this, but the best kind of uh, way to resolve this would be, you know, for him to, him to stay maybe and lead and if they were able to afford to buy a couple of other players as well as Ezzy then we'd be looking at quite a, quite a decent squad there who maybe given the right you know the right wind and a good run of results could get into in the Europa League Europa League yeah and that so, t- I mean I'm being uh, you know I'm being fantastic I'm hoping for the best basically but we're all sitting here hoping that, that yeah. Eze and, and Zaha play in the same Premier League team together and for, yeah. at Palace and it would just I just, I mean, we were saying off air. I mean, I just think that, that it'll be like it'll be like the days when Palace had Zaha and Balassi in their pomp running at people, and it free it liberates the other one. You know, the, the opponents can't all go and gang up on Wolf if they've got Eze running through them. They, 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 they <laughs> vice versa. It's just not, it, it, it's not feasible. It's interesting, interesting to see. Sorry, Dom. It, uh, in his interview, he actually mentioned that you know he remembered hmm, Balassi, Balassi and Zaha tearing yeah. it up in the Championship, which is always going to be a a great golden period really for Palace supporters when they, you know, we got promoted under Ian Holloway and through the playoffs. But yeah, and it's, it's good to hear that kind of thing from a young player that they're inspired by watching these, these guys and thinking, yeah, that could be, that could be me. And you need, you need someone like that when you're young, don't you, to look up to and think, okay, that's my target. I want to be like those two. And, and like Dom says, it would be amazing to see them play in the same team together. And also with, you know, Jordan AU playing so well last season. Um, it's you know not a bad attack at all, really, is it? And and maybe even Benteke coming back into form. You never know. Yeah, even like me, it's just a football fan. That like when I look at, it, I think when I watch Palace, I see one player where you expect something to happen, and that's when Wilfred Zaha gets the ball. I'm not trying to discredit Jordan Ayew because I think he's a very good player, but Zaha has that X factor, and now you add Eberé Eze to that mix, and it's going to be a dangerous proposition for all opponents. But if you go back a few, you know, yeah, facing exactly. that proposition. Yeah. <laughs> when you go back a few years, when when Roy Hodgson first took over in that 2017-18 season, towards the end of that year, when Palace looked as though they were they were getting safe and they went on a great run, and and he had a, a midfield with Johan Kabay in it, Ruben Loftus Cheek in it, Andros Townsend, Wilfred Zaha, they had Ben Teke at the club, Milivojevic as well. The, the, he is capable of getting these teams to play expansively. It's it's a bit of a myth that 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 he, he's he's 
overly cautious. The reality of it is he hasn't had any attacking players really to build a forward-thinking team around in the last few years. But look what Palace have done in, in a succession of, of transfer windows. They, they haven't really bought um, lavishly, really, since the summer of 2017. So there's an opportunity now uh, for Roy Hodgson to demonstrate that, that his teams can play expansively and can incorporate the likes of Eze and, and Zaha and, and Ayu in the same lineup, and maybe play with only two defensive midfielders who you know, are going to sit back... We shouldn't also, we should, don't forget, we've also got two potentially forward-thinking full-backs at the mm. club now. In, in Ferguson on the right once he's fit. And you've got Van Arnold and, and Mitchell as well, who looks an excellent prospect as well at, at left-back. There's, there's suddenly a, a team that looked quite stodgy halfway through last season has now got an awful lot of energy in it. And that's what made Palace, that's, that's why Palace were an attractive team to watch for a while during this, this eight-year stint in the, in the Premier League. They, they, bursting with energy and forward thinking and running and, and that's what we've got now with, with, with some skill thrown in so it's promising to be honest Yeah definitely Dom and as you mentioned Crystal Palace have achieved Category 1 status and it's a great mm-hmm. catchment area for you know young burgeoning talents to develop Definitely yeah, I think yeah, yeah, uh, uh, there were reports that came out a few weeks ago about you know the um, valuation of Wilfred Saha dropping. Do you think that was intentionally put out there to try and spark interest, guys? Yeah, I, I would have thought so. I mean, he's everybody's sort of followed the saga, and you know he's moved away from his old agent hmm. and has enlisted the services of the, the uh, Pinny Zahavi, the mm-hmm. super agent, as he's, he's known, and. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see that all the rumours are coming from abroad now because, yeah, like I said before, the, the, the kind of the options are, uh, are running out really for him in, in, the, in, in England because, you know, you can rule them all out one by one. And it's quite easy to do that, really. It's a <laughs> shame because, think... you know, a couple of years ago, I, I think he was, he was certainly capable of playing for any of the top six. Yeah. And, you know, he still is, but it's just that, that the age factor is putting clubs off, I'm sure, because 27 now and, you know, it would take a bit, even you know stepping from a a lower Premier League club to a top six club is is another massive step, and uh, would take you know I know he's been at United before, but also would would take a bit of time to adjust to that. But just on the thing about South London, you know the area which I mentioned it a little bit earlier, and uh, you know the, the success of Wamba Saka for Palace, you know just the season he goes to Manchester United for so much money. It, I think you know it's really underline to them what is on on the doorstep really and that the category one status for the academy is is really great news because i think you know it's fair to say that south london's probably certainly in england is is producing more players than any area uh, and you know potentially the rest of europe as well is getting up there now it's really something to be very proud of i think you know i, I coach a local club in in peckham and uh we've just had a, a couple of players in fact the guy that went to uh, to Leeds was at my club Appenley. Um it's just a source of great pride for the whole club um, I'm trying to remember what his surname is now but uh, <laughs> yeah he, he just signed for, uh, for for Leeds for a million pounds it's just you know like the sort of a great achievement for the local area everyone who went to school with him is so proud of him and you know it's, it's sure it's the same with uh, with Ezzy's family and everybody that knows him it's just like, really great to see that these guys who are you know representing the local area no, for sure, for sure. Um, I wanted to switch to Eze's international allegiances. When he came onto the pod, he was sort of non-committal about playing for 
England or Nigeria. At the moment, he's playing for England under 21s. Dot, where do you think his international future lays? It's a it's a difficult question. I think, you know, the Nigeria national team is a pro- promising um, proposition at the moment. I think there's a lot of talent there. You, you know, you've got Alex Awobi, Olaena, like so many good talent. And I think it's going to be really tough for him to, to make the right choice or to make the correct choice because both of them are the correct choice. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> Obviously, he has an opportunity. He's been through the England setup. He's, you know, just been called up to the England under 21 squad. Um, but he's going to have to pick what's best for him. What I understand is that his family are pushing, you know, for the Nigeria, um, take. Um, but it's, it's going to be his choice. And I'm, I'm just not sure which way he's going to go. Okay. Yeah, interesting one. Dom, do you have any views on the international allegiances or? <laughs> I think he has he has to go with what his what his heart tells him really. Um it's it's always a strange one. We've seen it a lot with Jack Grealish. Um who was there's a big debate about him obviously in midweek as well over Gareth Southgate's senior squad. When you do represent an under 21s at one level for one country and then go on and play senior football elsewhere. I, I know it's I, I know it's it's uh, it's quite common actually these days to be honest. Um but it must be it must it must be a difficult, a difficult choice for 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 those guys to make. I, I imagine, I imagine that that Palace would probably prefer him to pin his allegiance to England, um, just because of the occasional disruption that the Africa Cup of Nations mm. has on yeah. on the Premier League seasons. Um, but as I think, you know, they'd rather take a content as a and a player that's that's happy with the choice he's made than than one that that feels he's being pushed into another direction and and maybe isn't quite as comfortable with that so it'll be down to him and and um look whichever national team gets him hopefully will be blessed because he's clearly he's clearly got a lot about him and he'll, he'll do well for them all right ed a question that i wanted to ask you is with Aberi eze how would you like palace to line up next season so with the current squad at their disposal let's say the front six positions everyone's fit how would you line up <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see uh, well i mean the thing is i'd like to see a four two three one i think with eze as number 10 ideally you know with zahar and maybe Ayu on the on the wing and benteke or a new striker maybe up up top but I th- I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that Roy will want to play like that. And I just, yeah, I'm not. I think he, it could be a, a possibility that he will start on the wing. Um, but with a freer role, because I think they've often played with, with obviously, Wilf has a very free role and, you know, he, he doesn't stick to one side at all. You know, he comes in the field a lot and is encouraged to come in the field, especially with the attacking fullbacks as well that can give you that width. So maybe that's the kind of role that he's got for him, sort of a. Uh, a playmaker but starting in one of the forward positions which is kind of I think what just mentioned Grealish what Southgate said, you know, seems to think Grealish is his best role in, in the 4-3-3 would have to play it up in the in the top line rather than in midfield which is really tough for Grealish because that means he's competing against you know your San, people like Sancho etc yeah. so um, yeah it's going to be it's going to be difficult to integrate him into that system other you know maybe that that could be the solution though um because uh, au actually plays quite a lot of that as well you know he's got I love watching him play actually watched him obviously quite a lot last season 
and just he drifts around. He maybe doesn't get the ball in the right positions all the time. He's a bit too deep, but he just has a great, you know, great strength and drifts across the pitch as well. So it could be quite interesting to maybe all three of them in a three and, you know, interchanging positions and be quite a handful for, for defences, I think. I want to throw a curveball. Do you think there's any way he can play in like a false nine position? Yeah, potentially. <laughs> Definitely. I think I think that's, you know, I saw Phil Foden playing in that position and he's got a similar attributes to him, hasn't he? Quite mm. a bit. Maybe not as good as uh, uh, finding the pass as Phil Foden. But, you know, that, those sort of players, I think they're... He, he seems a very adaptable player, and that's really like talked a little bit about him earlier in his career. And you know, he, he had all the rejection. He'd been to so many clubs, and I think he's a great example of you know how, first of all, how difficult it is to make it as a professional footballer, and people shouldn't underestimate that. You know, like you, you've, everyone's known a really great player who hasn't made it in their neighbourhood <laughs> or whatever, but you know, to, to, to keep taking those knockbacks and coming back um, is a real testament to him and. I'm sure he'll want to learn a lot from some of the players that he's going to be training with every day now. Yeah, certainly a tasty proposition. Um, we know throughout this still that West Brom tried to gazump it later on, that Slavan Bilic is very, very impressed with him. Um, Dom, what was the timeline of events? Well, my understanding is that if you go back to last Friday, um, a bid was a third bid was submitted to QPR which was by Palace which was closer to what QPR were hoping to get um, for Eze and I think Palace actually thought that the deal would be concluded over the weekend um, then West Brom come into come into it um, and offer actually Trump Palace's offer for the initial amount that was due I think ultimately their offer would have been worth slightly less with with all the add-ons and the and the um, sell-on clauses, etc. Um, so that, that sort of muddied the waters. But the reality was that Eze was never going to go to, yeah. to West Bromwich Albion. He didn't have any interest in that. He wanted to stay in London, as we've discussed. Um, unfortunately, and, and completely within their right, I mean, you know, Palace, this is exactly how Palace would behave with, with Zaha. QPR just want to get the best deal for them, which is, you know, that's what you'd expect them to do. So what what... Palace had hoped would be a quite a swift negotiation over the weekend ended up being very protracted and occasionally quite fractious I think with you know talking over sell-on clauses the amount I think QPR originally wanted 25% of a on the profit of a sell-on I think that that came down quite a lot in the final deal but it, it took a it took a long time to get to that point and the, the add-ons as well it, and it became a balancing act and and the fact that the Malaysian hierarchy that are actually ultimately making the decisions at Loftus Road were actually based in Malaysia complicated things further because of the time delay, the time difference rather. So it wasn't an easy negotiation process this week. And I mean, this, I think the medical actually took place on Wednesday night in, in up in central London. And I think again, even then Palace thought, okay, we should be able to get this done now. Thursday, it was just yet more nitpicking and yet more negotiation over the little aspects of the deal it just went on and on and on and on and it was only really late on Thursday night that the it was rubber stamped and and then confirmed formally by the club on the Friday morning so 
look, we, we, we shouldn't ever underestimate how complicated these transfers are. This is not championship manager. This is not something where you <laughs> click on a button and everybody accepts. Yeah. It, these things take time and particularly modern day transfers with all the with all the complications. Like, for example, things like when you pay the, the bulk of the money, when when are this money due? I mean, payment plans for, for transfers are really complicated things um, to negotiate. So and then you've got the agents' fees and agents involved as well um, for buying and selling clubs. So it's it's a protracted and complicated process. But thankfully for, for Eze, uh, he got his move. QPR got a very good fee, I think, for a player that's, that's done well for them in the Championship for the last couple of years. And Palace have got this bright young star who they hope will, will go on and achieve great things at Sellers Park. Yeah, I think everyone will be happy with the deal. And obviously, a few months ago, we went down to QPR's Harlington training base to speak to Les Ferdinand. And he said Eze's got the ability to be one of the best he's ever seen. Dot, I know you're in close contact with Les Ferdinand. What's the take from the QPR perspective? It's just well wishes. Um, He's a brilliant player. He has all the ability in the world. Now, can you prove yourself at the top level? And only time will be able to answer that, I think. I've spoken to a lot of people, you know, at QPR and people that support the club and they've just got positive things to say about the lad. They're just saying that they can't wait to see him in the Premier League. Um, Les Ferdinand, you know, sends him his well wishes and really believes in him and thinks that he will take to the Premier League like a duck to water. Hmm. <laughs> well said. So, yeah, Ed, um, what type of... Uh a player can Palace fans expect because I know a lot might not watch the championship we've all watched him seen his progress but like if you were selling Eberichi Eze to you know Crystal Palace fans what would you say about him? Well I think he could be the player that takes Palace to the next level hopefully he's got everything you know that you need in a, a number 10 really that's the way I'm that's the way I see him is his best position you know not necessarily I think a lot of people have just assumed that Ezzy is a, 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 the new Zaha because he's got a similar haircut to how what Zaha's hair was like a few years ago or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's he's it's definitely in you know a number ten is his best position infield, you know with with um, with a bit of space in front of him to uh, and a player to beat infield though rather than going up the wing and getting a cross in or something like that you know. And I think Palace fans could be very excited to see him you know uh, trying to make his name and make that next step. He's, a, I think he's the perfect age to be taking the step up um, to the Premier League. You know, I think it's really good to see players who come up that route, you know, having played in academies when, when, when they were kids, but, you know, had that bit of rejection that gives them that extra edge. And, uh, and then, you know, learning how, how to be a senior player in the championship, you know, more than a hundred games, is you know perfectly ready to to take the next step now, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great to see how he he links up. I just hope that that he can play with Zahar for as long as possible, and that actually Zahar, you know, maybe if he does go, he goes in the last week of uh, the last week of the transfer window in in October. If yeah, it does I'm sure, happen, I'm sure all Palace fans <laughs> echo those sentiments. Uh, can I just say, no. sorry, I forgot the guy's name, and I think I should say it because I mentioned it. his name's Cody Drama, and he's just signed for Leeds uh, from Fulham. Uh, and he's an England under eighteen international. So yeah, just a, a big up to uh, Athenley there. But big up. <laughs> we'll be tracking his progress with great interest. But yeah, Dom, what I wanted to ask is 
within the palace circles is there any other business that they want to get done during this um summer window or is that you know the transfer window shut for them Oh no 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 won't here. No, they've. I think they appreciate that they that they play with a, a twenty one man senior squad really from January onwards. That their squad isn't that doesn't have the depth yet. It needs more. It needs more players. They they've had a brilliant start to the window with with Ferguson and now Eze. You know, two really really talented players from the championship. Um, but they need to build on that. They, they've been. I think the name the, the vast majority of the names are out there. The Conor Gallagher from from Chelsea has been discussed as a potential loan deal. I, th- I think it may his agent may want to see what other interest there is out there before anything happens on that front. But a, a year long loan is is not inconceivable for Conor Gallagher. Um, they're waiting on an answer from Ryan Fraser. I think I think Fraser's agent is he's a free agent at the moment. Um, left yeah. Bournemouth. Um, I think he's his agent is is waiting to see again whether he can get. Uh, what he considered to be an elite club, um, and it may be that near the end of the window, a Spurs or an Arsenal, someone of that, he'll come in and, and 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 take Ryan Fraser on the free. But if they don't, Palace and Newcastle and the like are, are all waiting there and, and hoping that he chooses them. Um, but the other priority for Palace, most obviously of all, is a striker. Um, yeah. They're one of the numerous clubs that looked at Ollie Watkins. I don't think they'll be getting him. I suspect he'll probably end up at Villa, um, but you know they're 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 out there looking. I mean, Edouard at, at Celtic, really good is a, yeah, and, and a big target of theirs, and someone they didn't think they could, they would be able to persuade to come down. But then you see what Ferencváros did to Celtic in midweek and knocked them out of the Champions League. <laughs> Suddenly that move might be a bit more appealing. So, you know, I think I think it's going to be a busy busy window. But they've set a magnificent pace uh, mm. with these two signings. I mean they're not they're not doing what Chelsea are doing but they they're doing what Palace require uh, to do. They're bringing down the average age of the squad, injecting some youth and some exuberance and some energy and some skill and it's uh, it's a great start and they'll they'll build on that. What so in terms of outgoings are there any players that might be leaving Max Mayer? I know Benteke was linked with a move I believe to the far east and there's been some murmurs about yeah Townsend. I think I think effectively the I mean, they don't want to sell because they don't have the numbers. But the reality is that if offers come in for any of their players, they'll look at them. Um, they, they have to they look at the number of players they've got out of contract in the summer. It's it's a lot. Um, I know four guys signed up again last week, but there are a lot of players at that club that that are in the last twelve months of their their current deals. And if offers come in, they Palace would look at them. But I think the reality is that if they sell, they have to buy a replacement. So that that complicates things um, so it, they'd have to look at each bid as, as it came in there will be interest in a, in a few particularly as the as the deadline ticks closer I mean that, that that's just an inevitability but then you know would Benteke want to leave London probably not to be honest and is there going to be interest in other from London, London clubs in him no I wouldn't have thought so would Townsend want to move out of London probably not again um, James McCarthy and there's been a lot of stuff about him in, in out, out there in the in the press and that sounded more like an agent trying to get him a new deal to be honest to extend his stay than, than actually a, a move to, to somewhere else in the country yet again um, so there's, there's a lot of toing and froing um, expected a lot of lot of bids will probably be lodged but whether they're acceptable or not and whether Palace can buy replacements is another thing 
So Ed, um, a question I wanted to ask you was regarding the shirt number of Eberichi Eze. Is there any murmurs within the club about what you know shirt he would don next season? No, I, I certainly haven't heard any. I don't know if Don has or not, but um, has he got a preference for a shirt number? Number 10, I think. 10, presumably. Yeah. But that, yeah, there, wasn't there, there was I a bit of I think it was a... Jordan was number 10. Jordan Ayew was number 10, wasn't he, last year? Andros, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was he? Oh, right, okay. I think there's been a bit of a a poor old Andros took a bit of a hammering on social media last night quite, un, quite unfairly didn't he because people wanted him to give up his shirt I don't, I don't think he'll necessarily do that but Andros has actually spoken glowingly about Eze on, on the, he was on TalkSport um, this morning or yesterday morning saying what a brilliant player he is and from the clips he's seen so um, I, th- I think he'll be welcomed with open arms by that squad as as um, much needed reinforcement. Just having a look, but it seems that the number one shirt wasn't in use last season. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you could, maybe you could take that. Oof. <laughs> That'd be some statement. Yeah, yeah. There's just I think a I think it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. I think allows just to further what Dom said. I think it'd be great to get another striker in. But and I know this is going to sound, you know, optimistic, but. Ben Teke, I did see it before he got sent off in the last game, uh, sort of the penultimate game. Um, you know, there were some signs that, that Ben Teke was really, you know, he, he's not scoring the goals, but he's definitely putting in the effort and like trying okay. to, he's a handful for anyone and still, you know, amongst the best headers of the ball in the league. Um, and, you know, I think they, they quite, kind of resigned to him staying until the end of his massive contract, you know, <laughs> massively well-paid contract anyway. Uh, next season and I think you know perhaps they could get a few goals out of him and then uh, you know he he obviously needs to earn himself a move somewhere as well and, and, or, unless he stays but um, you know it, I think he, he could be uh, you know he could be due a decent season He's, I shouldn't, people shouldn't write him off too early mm-hmm. I don't think I know he's had a, some struggles over the years but still a good player in there I think just sure. to, I think just to go back to the Eze shirt number um, all I would say is that he's in love with the number 10 um <laughs> That's he likes Andros. What's going on here? Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we all like Andros, but come on. <laughs> He's in love with the number 10 shot, and I won't be surprised if he ends up with it. Mm. It'd be interesting. Well, question. it's a big thing, though, isn't it? If you're a young player like that going into a club yeah. and saying to, you know, Andros Townsend, you know, former, I know he doesn't play for England anymore, but used to, <laughs> well known guy. I don't know if he, you know, it'd be a real statement to say, I want your shirt, but, you know, maybe they can engineer it like, like that. To I get, think he's to got the confidence. It shows yeah, it would be good for that. And he yeah, backs definitely. his ability as well. Mm. Yeah, what I want to ask Stott is, what is the project that was outlined to him? That's a question from Stu on Twitter. <sighs> Tough question. I think Dom and Ed will be, you know, much better place to answer the question, but I feel that they said, from what I've been told, is that look, they're looking to build this new, fresh Crystal Palace team, and they want him to spearhead that charge. They want him to be that, you know, that new Wilfred Saha figure, that cult hero at the club, the player that you know gets fans off their seats, and and I think that's what really sold um, the vision to Eze, and he just can't wait to get started. No, fair point. Um, yeah, so Dom, it- delving into it much more, like what is that project? Because People are talking about a long-term project, and if you have to mm. maybe put two and two together, that may not include Roy Hodgson. So, what of the board, Steve Parrish, Mark Bright, and the people at the club? What have they penned to Eze? I know we get drawn into the Roy Hodgson thing, but but look at most clubs around there. Clubs are about philosophies these days, aren't they? They're often dictated by the directors of football, um, and managers come and go. So, 
if if Roy leaves at the end end of his contract next summer, but has helped integrate Eze into the first team at Crystal Palace and Nathan Ferguson into the first team at Crystal Palace and maybe a couple of other youngst- youngsters into the club and given them game time, then that that is part of the evolution. And, and I, I suspect it's the evolution that has been sold to Eze. Um, Crystal Palace are a club that have, as you, as you pointed out quite rightly earlier, now got category one status in their academy. They're finally able to tap into properly into the, into, into the market, basically. It's on their doorstep. Get some of that talent in at Palace rather than seeing it drift off towards Chelsea, Fulham, Arsenal, Spurs, whatever. Uh, it'll, it'll be actually coached and, and developed and, and reared at Crystal Palace. Um, it, they've got the new stand potentially I know that things have gone a bit quiet on that front but that, that remains an objective for for the club and, and that that is part of the of establishing some kind of legacy for these Premier League years um, now we all know that the team has aged the team has aged in, in a position where it, it, it's a mid-table team though that's aging it's not a team that's struggling for relegation they were effectively well they were mathematically safe in February this year which is you know, the, the earliest it's ever been in this eight year period. And they had a dreadful run after that. Yeah. But, you know, they were, they were, they were safe. They were never going down. So that should give you the platform to integrate younger players, to integrate young talent. And if, if Eze can be this, can, can be the sort of, uh, the, yeah, the, the main man in that, in that project, if he can be the, the icon that people latch onto, the, the the fulcrum of it all, you know. Come and see what what Iberieze does has done at Crystal Palace. See see, look, this is this future. You know, you you come do, do your time in the Championship, mm. develop your game, and then come and join a Premier League club. We'll give you a platform to go and express yourself and show that you can do it. And then he will go on if he if he does well. Then he can go on and 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 experience his European football with with other clubs. If it's not happening at Palace, it's it's. I, I don't think anybody is unreal. I don't think we're being. We're not being daft. We know, we know where Palace sit in the hierarchy of things. Um, in, in, in many ways, uh, for a young player to come to Crystal Palace, it's, it's a springboard for something else, isn't it? I mean, and, and I think he can achieve that. Uh, but it's, it's about, it's about proving yourself in the Premier League. And it's far better to do that at a team that is a solid, a solid team that's mid table or better than, than taking a risk maybe in, Say joining a Fulham who might be struggling next season, or or a West Brom, which clearly came into his thinking as well. So the project is development. The project is evolution. The project is go out there and show the world what you can do, and and we'll give you that platform, you know, that stage on which to perform. And and I'm sure he'll 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 take the chance and 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 delight everybody. No, yeah, well I, th- said, I think Dom. Palace have got a really good opportunity here. Actually, we're just following on from from, from what Dom said. You know. They are because they're an established Premier League team now. They can, you know, not just players that they they can bring in from the Championship or from a, uh, even you know uh, from overseas to give them that shop window, but you know the younger players as well who perhaps well maybe not you know Chelsea there is a bit of a pathway to the first team at the moment or well, maybe not with all these new signings coming in now, but you know Palace could be the club you know in South London that gives young players a chance before they get their big move like Wan-Bissaka. And people like that, and it's the combination of those two, you know, uh, those two plans could could create quite an exciting team. That you know, mm. I know that Steve. I was actually watching this the other day, the team of the eighties uh, mm. documentary, and I know that Steve Parrish, the, the the chairman, that's what that really is his era, and that's what kind of that's the golden era of him, and that's what's driving this dream of his. I kind of 
don't know if anyone knows, but you know Malcolm Allison who mm. changed the colours to red and blue to mm. mimic Barcelona a little bit, and supposedly uh, you know had a plan for Palace to play in Europe and win a European competition. And I think that's what ideally, in the long run, what Steve Parrish would really love to see Palace do one day. We you know with a young team made up of mainly local players, ideally that have come through the club's academy. So you know this is the kind of thing that they probably said to him and. and and you can see why he's gone for that because it's a, it is a great opportunity for him. Now, well said, Ed. Um, a final question I wanted to ask, um, open it to the floor, is what should Eberi Eze's targets be for next season? Um, it's a difficult question. I'm not going to, you know, suggest like a number of goals and assists, but I just think to perform his best every week just give it your all you're good enough for the Premier League and just prove yourself um, I'll be surprised if he doesn't score five goals um, and I just think dictating the games um, you know driving through that midfield as I mentioned earlier producing moments of magic and I think he'll, he will do well in the Premier League Dom? Um I want I want him to yeah I want him to be a I want him to be an established Premier League player in twelve months time I want him to be a a player that that um, this is going to sound daft but I want him to be a player that other clubs cover other Premier League clubs cover other top Premier League clubs cover and I want I want I want them to I want him to be I want people to look back at this summer and think, wow, Palace only paid £16 million up front for Eze. That's a remarkable piece of business. Because um, he's, yeah, and I, I also want to see him smiling on the football pitch mm. in the Premier League because I think everything, everything, everybody I speak to about him says that he's such a lovely bloke and, and he deserves his chance. And and he's someone that needs to be content and and... And to feel comfortable in his surroundings to to get the best out of him. So if I, if we're seeing Eze smiling on a on a football pitch in the Premier League over the course of this season, then we know that we've got a player on our hands who's who's tearing it up. And finally, Ed. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to put targets on yeah. young players because you know it's it's going to take a bit. Although he's got the ability, I think, uh, to do it. And, you know, it's not going to be, it's not like going to a new country and learning to learn a new language or anything like that. You know, he's moving to his, you know, a very local club. So that's going to help his his assimilation. But, yeah, it's, I think if he if he could aim to maybe start half of Palace's games in the Premier League and, you know, come off the bench quite a few times as well, I think that would have been a decent start. You know, I don't think we should expect too mm. much in the first season. It's more of a long-term thing for him. And uh, I think... The one thing that Palace fans will be a little bit nervous of is that we kind of had a player like this that arrived a couple of years ago in, in Maya, who we mentioned before, yeah. and everyone was so excited about that because he was going to be the guy that you know, you know was going to link defend, uh, midfield and attack. Uh, and you know, it's been a real struggle for him. Obviously, he's he actually you know he was 22 when he arrived as well from from Germany, and uh, really feels like we haven't seen much of him. Palace fans are quite frustrated about the lack of game time that he's had. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I'm sure Eze's equipped to do make a better attempt to, of it than, than Maya, and you know, hopefully he will do. Um, but yeah, just I'm wary of putting too much pressure on him in the first season. No, fair point, Ed. And ending with you, Ed. Obviously, we're speaking about a player, you know, English of Nigerian heritage. We want to talk about your book, Made in Africa. It's a great read. I've read through it and full of gems. Thanks. So, yeah. So if you could just tell us much more about your book and where to find it. 
Yeah, so it's the it's the history of African players in in English football, uh, starting with Arthur Wharton back in the nineteenth century, and then going through to the modern day. You know, talking about people like uh, Albert Johansson who played for Leeds, and then in, more into the modern era with people like uh, Peter and Love and uh, you know uh, Tony Yaboa, Lucas Radebe, Daniel Amakachi, and people like that, and then into yeah. the modern era. And I, the, the sort of modern storyline follows the Liverpool. Uh, trio of, of Mane, Salah, and Nabi Keita, who were all sort of Africa, you know, African transfer records when they arrived at Anfield. So it kind of follows their season when they became the, the champions of Europe and, and what it all meant to the, the, the various countries that they come from, you know, Egypt, Senegal, and, uh, and, uh, and Guinea. Um, and yeah, you can buy it on uh, on all good bookshops uh, and uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> Amazon and <laughs> Made in Africa. It's called. That's what you need to know. But yeah, I'm very. It's very proud. I'm, I'm very proud to have it out there. And it's like you know, it's a subject that I think has been quite underrepresented no. in the past. Uh, De- and yeah, just something that I'm really, really proud of. Definitely, Ed. Great work. Thanks. Hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Um, if you want to listen to this episode, you can find us on Spotify. Apple, we're available on YouTube on the Beautiful Game podcast, Instagram as well at pod underscore TBG, Twitter at podcast underscore TBG. I would like to thank all three of you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Great insight into Eberichi Eze, and hopefully, fingers crossed, he rips up the Premier League. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to so. celebrate the signing now after we sign out of this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having us thank on. You. Peace. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.